following message was preached at Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity. For more information about Reformed Holy Trinity, please visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org. Turn in your Bibles to Jude, the general epistle of Jude. And this morning we will contain ourselves to the first chapter of Jude, Jude chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Many times as I attempt to organize, outline, structure, and preach, I leave myself in difficult situations of trying to maintain that order. Well, last week was one of those instances as we were dealing with verse number eight and my intention in organizing Uh, The sermon for last week was to cover verse 8 in its entirety um, in one sermon. Well, there are things that we did not finish, and I believe that it is prudent that we do, because I hope you see and you're seeing and understanding as we are going down through the book of Jude here how important this little bitty epistle is for the day in which we live. As a matter of fact, it is the topics of conversation that we find here are the largest topics of conversation that we're dealing with throughout our society, and not just our society, but also, and unfortunately, in the church. And not just in the liberal churches, but in the so-called conservative churches who profess to believe in the inspired, inerrant, and sufficient Word of God. 
we are having to deal with these very same things. Even in our own mists, our own circles. Well, just as a little bit of advertisement, not only for you here, but those who, even though we were not able to live stream this morning, but for those who hopefully will listen on Facebook later to the recording of this message this morning, we have begun two podcasts. And this has been the focus of conversation in the very beginning stages of these two podcasts. And we hope that you will check them out and listen to them. And we'll post them on the church page and some of the other pages that we possess. Um, But this has been the focus of our conversation on those podcasts. And I hope you see that What is going on today is exactly what Jude was dealing with in his day as well. The imposters who are attempting because they identify and are identified in Adam. They are attempting to turn God's grace into sensuality, sexual immorality, a license to sin. And Jude is not just warning the church about being deceived into that apostasy. But he is also calling them forth to be contenders for the true faith against apostasy. And that's what we need today. As was mentioned on our podcast, you see, we are called to be contenders, not cheerleaders. And that is one of the things that needs to be understood by the church today is that we are not called to be cheerleaders for the faith, but we are called to be contenders for the faith. And we're only going to see the advancement of the kingdom of Jesus Christ when the church returns to being contenders for this faith. So we begin looking. At verse number 8. And we focused primarily last week upon the first part of the verse where it says, Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. You remember we looked at the first point which was that they defiled the body by their fake revelations. John Calvin wrote in his commentary... He begins here more clearly to describe these imposters. And he's talking about the first part of verse number 8. And then, of course, continuing through the rest of the chapter, that Jude now is beginning here at verse number 8 to more clearly describe these imposters, those who turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness. And he says... Continuing to quote Calvin, first, that they polluted their flesh as it were by dreaming, by which words he denotes their stupid effrontery, as though he had said that they abandoned themselves to all kinds of filth, which the most wicked abhor, except sleep took away shame and also consciousness. It is then a metaphorical mode of speaking by which he 
intimates that they were so dull and stupid as to give themselves or to give up themselves without any shame to every kind of baseness. You see, this is the very topic that we are dealing with, with the conversation about the Revoice Conference, which is just one element of the gay Christian movement. Especially those who have focused in the conservative realms of the gay Christian celibates or celibate gay Christians. This is the very topic that is, or this passage is very applicable to the times in which we live and the topics that we must deal with. And notice Calvin doesn't mince words here. He says that they are so dull and stupid that they give themselves up without any shame to every kind of baseness. Every kind of defilement. That is what we are seeing play out today. We have reached a point in the American society that we are giving ourselves up to the defiling of the flesh. Now, there's all kinds of ways in which these things have been advanced. But you know the primary way in which these things are advanced is to make ourselves, and by the way, you ought to listen to all these people at the Revoice Conference. You would think they're as pure as the driven snow. You would think that they have reached Christian perfectionism. (laughs) You would think that they are totally without sin and that they're the only holy ones in the whole world and everyone else needs to follow them because they're pure. When they're in fact so dull and stupid, as Calvin said, as to give up themselves without any shame to every kind of baseness. But one of the ways in which these things are being advanced throughout our society is through self-righteousness and blame. You see, what does Adamic man not want to do? Those who are outside of Christ, those who are sinful and wicked, those who are depraved, What is it that they don't want to do? They don't want to seek after God. They do not, according to Romans 1, want to acknowledge God. They don't want to acknowledge that He is holy. What else do they not want to do? They do not want to acknowledge that they are sinful. So they don't want to acknowledge that God is holy and they do not want to acknowledge that they are unholy. As a matter of fact, what they want to do is reverse it. They want to proclaim that they are holy and that God is unholy. And that's what the whole celibate gay Christian movement is all about. is to say that God is the author of sin because He made them that way. 
So they are innocent and he is guilty. They don't want to acknowledge their own guilt. They don't want to acknowledge the holiness of God. What else don't they want to do? They do not want to humble themselves before this holy God and confess that they are a sinner with no hope of salvation unless the Lord is merciful to them. What else do they not want to do? They do not want... They do not want to profess faith. They do not want to repent. And they do not want to live a life of obedience. That is what they do not want to do. You see, the very issues that we are dealing with are, it is all about the gospel. You see, they're attempting to rebrand it. And the rebranding is to do away with the gospel of Jesus Christ that has been revealed unto us according to His Word. And they're trying to bring in a new gospel. They're trying to turn the grace of our God into sexual immorality. To turn God's grace into a license to sin. To do whatever they want. So that they can give themselves up to every kind of defilement. But you see, this isn't just new. This isn't a new thing. The seeds were sown a long time ago. Matter of fact, they were sown, if you go all the way back to the beginning, but I'm saying in our society, the seeds were sown a long time ago. You see, because a man is not a drunkard, he's, a, he's an alcoholic. Because he has the alcoholism gene. You see, it's not his fault, he's, he's innocent. It's someone else's fault. Oh, it's God's fault. Or we come up with other things to blame someone else. The sexually promiscuous. See, with men, this usually only applies if they're serial killers or rapists or molesters or so forth. You see, if it's in the case with men, I mean, we'll usually, um, it's usually a given with men that will acknowledge that they just have a proclivity for sexual immorality. But when it comes to like serial killers and rapists and molesters and all that kind of stuff, it's mommy issues. But what do we do? We do the same thing in relation to women. All these college students, sexually promiscuous and what, what's usually said, you know, daddy issues. You know, we have to blame it on somebody and something. We either blame it on God or we blame it on others. But Jude is to the point here. Notice that these who turn the grace of our God into a license to sin, they rely upon their own dreams, their own revelations, all their psychological revelations and all their supposed religious revelations 
that they have invented and that they have dreamed up, they rely upon those things so that they can defile the flesh, which means the reason why they defile the flesh is because they like it and they want it. That's why they do it. You can blame all these other things if you want to, but as Jordan Peterson rightly is telling this wicked and perverse generation, grow up. Quit blaming everybody else for your problems. But that's what we want to do. But see, the fact of the matter is, the reason why we sin is because we want to and we like to. You know, everyone wants to get engaged in this nature versus nurture debate. Well, here's the problem. You see, there is an aspect of nature involved. Because if your identity is in Adam, your nature is fallen. But that's not how they're defining the nature argument. The nature argument is that God in creation has put it into the human DNA to be oriented and inclined to certain things. No, the nature aspect is because of Adam's sin. But we need to be careful with the nurture thing as well. You know, you do have Jacob and Esau... Two guys with the same parents. Matter of fact, they were twins. Raised in the same household. But you see the difference between Jacob and Esau was God's grace. Now there is an aspect of of nurture. Because we can influence people. And we should be A right influence. But people can be rightly influenced and reject that influence and accept the influence of the devil, of the world, of their own flesh. See, it's really not either or. And a lot of times we use these things to get out of the fact that the reason why people sin is because they are sinners. You can blame your environment. You can blame your nature. You can bring, uh, blame your upbringing. You can blame your mother. You can blame your father. You can blame tragedy, mishaps, Sickness, financial problems. You can blame everything under the world. But the reason why you respond to those things in the way that you do is because you're a sinner. They rely upon their dreams so that they can defile their flesh because they want to defile their flesh. Calvin also said that the dreaming here is connected with the three things that follow. 
as we pointed out last week, first of all, defiling the flesh, despising government, and slandering dignities. And he goes on to state that allusion seems to be made to the pretensions of false prophets in former times, like in Jeremiah chapter 23, in verse number 25, which says, I have heard what the prophets did, or what the prophets said, that prophesy lies in my name, says the Lord, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy falsely? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name for Bell. Calvin goes on to say that the false prophets taught what they pretended to see in dreams. As dreams as well as visions were vouchsafed or it was granted to be true prophets, those who dreamed and those who had visions. It was just granted. Just like today. You'll see a lot of these mega churches and talking about their dreams and their visions. And because it is in a religious context, I mean, the dreams and the visions are just accepted to be coming from a true prophet because they use the term vision and dream. Just like so many people think that the phonetical use of the, word, of the name Jesus has some kind of power. <laughs> because I say Jesus. Oh, you're going through some health in- issue. Well, in Jesus' name, I... Yeah, well, whatever. The, phonetic, the, the phonetical use of the name does not have magical powers. It's not something that you can chant in order to bring up some mystical spirit and power in order to get what you want. No, it has to be under the authority. That's what it means in the name of Jesus or by the authority of Jesus Christ. That's the same way with dreams and visions and the proclamation of divine revelation. It has to be in the authority of. Well, they, most people just think that just because these dreams, these visions, this proclamation of divine revelation, they, they just grant them to be true prophets. So these... Dreamers, those who rely upon the flesh, defile the flesh. But notice it's not just the prophets, because, yes, the prophets are relying and proclaiming these false and fake revelations. But the people are relying upon them just as well. In other words, the reason why people are deceived is because they want to be deceived. Because men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds are evil. 
That's the explanation. So we covered some things in relation to that, but I want us in our remaining time to point out the last two things a little bit more in depth. And though we did mention the second point, which is that they despise authority by their fake revelations, listen to what John Calvin wrote in relation to this. He said, It appears from the second clause that they were seditious men who sought anarchy. That being loosed from the fear of the laws, they might sin more freely. (laughs) Again, this is why. The reason why there are ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness is so that they might sin more freely. And so many people are being duped. Especially in relation to the whole celibate gay Christian junk. They're being duped. Because the only reason why this is being pushed and advanced is so that they might sin more freely. That is the design. That is the intention. That's what sinners do. He goes on. But these two things are nearly always connected. Remember we mentioned this last week. Now I'm giving you Calvin's opinion in order to support it. Remember we mentioned this last week. This is a hard thing for us to grasp. But these two things are nearly always connected, he says, that they who abandon themselves to iniquity do also wish to abolish all order. Though indeed, he says, their chief object is to be free from every yoke, it appears from the words of Jude that they were wont to speak insolently and reproachably of magistrates. In other words, uncivilly and disrespectfully. Like the fanatics of the present day, whom, by the way, he's talking about Anabaptists, who not only grumble because they are restrained by the authority of magistrates, but furiously declaim against all government and say that the power of the sword is profane and opposed to godliness. In short, in their haughty demeanor, they reject From the church of God, all kings and all magistrates. Notice the point here is that those who wish to defile the flesh also wish to dispose of all authority. That's the reason why you get rid of authority. So that you can sin more freely. You see, they proclaim liberty... As Peter says, when they are the servants of corruption. They do not bring about their promises, but instead they bring about slavery. 
You see, the cry of a Damic man in, uh, for liberty is actually a cry to sin. It is a cry to remove themselves from all restraints so that they might sin against a holy God. And of course, in that, they justify themselves and blame God and blame others. But notice, turning the grace of God into a license to sin, the reason for which is so that they can defile their flesh, so that they can participate in all kinds of sexual immorality, and also so they can get rid of government. Now, it applies to ecclesiastical government and civil government, and even we see that it also applies to the family as well throughout our society. The whole idea is to get rid of government, and that's the tip of the spear that we're seeing. See, we want all these issues about live and let live. All these issues in which is being proclaimed an aspect of, of liberty when it's really not liberty. It's licentiousness. It's destroying true civil government. We see it with the homosexual movement, the transgender movement, the feminist movement. All of them are designed, by the way, the social justice movement, all of them are designed for one thing. And that is to get rid of government, be it ecclesiastical, civil, or family. Get rid of it. You see, they despise dominion. They despise government. Well, we see how that worked out with the French Revolution. We see how that worked out in the 20th century with the Soviet Union, China, Cambodia. We're seeing how that works out in Venezuela today and throughout a lot of South America. You see, they, they hate authority. They despise it. And they want to get rid of it. Um, Calvin pointed out something interesting that I do want to mention. He's talking about one of the versions that rendered it that they deny their own God. That fits with Romans chapter 1. This whole thing is a denial of God. It's to deny His being. It's to deny His providence. It's to deny... His dominion and kingly power in Christ. And as a result of that, they want to get rid of any government or any authority that would uphold any aspect of God's being, providence, or dominion. Third, notice they also denounce 
or as Calvin said, slander dignities by their fake revelations. John Gill wrote, this is to be understood either of ecclesiastical government or governors who are set in the first and highest place in the church or are the glory of the churches. That's why the ESV renders it uh, the glorious ones. Or else civil magistrates as before who are the higher powers and sit in high places of honor and grandeur. False teachers are injurious to themselves, disturber of churches, and pernicious to civil government. See, Jude is pointing out how you can identify these people. You see, the people who want to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, they rely upon their own dreams so that they can defile the flesh, so that they can abolish government and slander leaders. In Exodus chapter 22 and verse 28, we are commanded that we are not to revile the judges nor the chief ruler of your people. In Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 11, it says, There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. Later on in that same chapter of the book of Proverbs, it says, The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. Talking about their eyes. Symbolic reference to being destroyed and blinded. In 1 Peter chapter 2.17, we're told, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. All throughout Scripture, and those are just a couple small little samples of the commands that we find that we are not to despise governments, be it ecclesiastical, civil, or familial. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews 13, 17, we are told, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. How serious of an issue is this? Well, Paul says, if any man obey not our word. So, anyone who does not obey the apostolic ordering, the apostolic commands, Paul says that we are to note them and have no company with them that they may be ashamed. Jude has given us a very serious warning. You see, because what is the end of these things? The end of these things are the examples that he gave us. John Calvin wrote, There are here three things mentioned 
which apply to the three instances previously adduced. Listen closely. There are here three things mentioned which apply to the three instances previously adduced. Like the Sodomites, they defile the flesh. Like the fallen angels, they despise dominion. And like the Israelites in the wilderness, they revile dignities or authorities. For it was especially by opposing the power given to Moses that the Israelites manifested their unbelief, their faithlessness. Jude's given us a very strong warning about the false prophets and teachers who turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Because those who do such are actually denying God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And they are relying upon their dreams so that they might defile the flesh and abolish government and slander rulers. But Jude is warning us that this is exactly the same thing that brought about judgment to the faithless Israelites. The same thing that brought about judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And the same thing that brought about judgment on the angels. In other words, if you follow those who turn the grace of our God into a license to sin, So that you can defile your flesh and dispose of authority. And then slander those who uphold the rule and reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jude is saying, in like manner, likewise you shall also be destroyed. Let us therefore not be as those who desire through their own imaginations, their own creativity to uphold their own authority in order to defy the one true and living God and build their tower of Babel, which is just a tower of confusion. But let us be of those who earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints by our Lord Jesus Christ through his apostles.